Hi, my name is Sasha Bayi, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Happy New Year and welcome to our first episode of the Functional Tennis Podcast of 2022. I'm your host Fabio Molle and I'm super excited to talk to WTA Tour coach Sasha Bayen. Sasha has worked with multiple Grand Slam champs from his hitting partner days with Serena Williams to coaching Naomi Osaka and more recently working with Karolina Pliskova. He's a coach that's fully committed to the job and player and goes above and beyond to do what is always in the best interest of his players. It comes with some personal sacrifice, but it's what it takes to be the best. Sasha opens up and tells us all about it and what he has learned from all the greats he has worked with. It's a cracker of an episode and great to start 2022 speaking to Sasha. But before we start, a shout out to our podcast sponsors, Slinger. If you're looking to improve your game and spend more time on court, check out the Slinger bag. It's the portable ball machine that'll help you perfect your game. Visit slingerbag.com to get all the details. Okay, here's Sasha. Hi, Sasha. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. So much to talk about from your career point of view. I saw this time 10 years ago, you were a pro tennis player trying to give that job a go. And then you moved into coaching. So interesting to find out about that and how you've worked with some great players. I want to know your secrets, how you've worked with them and how you've managed to achieve what you have. So that's really exciting. But first of all, my first question to you was, how's preseason going? Sadly, we had some slight changes in our preseason and early tournament schedule as Carolina injured herself yesterday a little bit off the court like we were doing some conditioning and she kind of injured herself so we had to pull out of Australia sadly hopefully gonna get a little bit more news in the next few days as um, as we're gonna see more specialists and stuff yeah okay well best of luck with the recovery there thank you so what's what's your plan as a coach you're working with a player they get injured they could be out for a few weeks a few months how do you handle that yeah um, luckily I've been unfortunately now luckily I've been in these situations before where injuries are just part of a part of sports actually even part of progress but I think the most important thing is to just identify what is the priority in that moment and to understand that sometimes doing nothing is doing something so I think that a lot of tennis players also sometimes maybe want to jump back a little bit too early even you know let's say Mm. their i don't know elbow is injured and they still think they can run and they still think they should stay active when in the meanwhile maybe it's better to just really 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 do nothing and then see that as doing something while at the same time you know trying to to stay active somehow so it's kind of a little bit give and give and go, I think, especially for the for the players as they have to approach daily then their their work and see how how do I feel, what can I do, and then coming back, it depends on the injury. What is it like with Caroline Wozniacki? I know that she had her right ankle injured, so sliding on clay. Then obviously the mental part comes back in once you're back on court and you know you injured yourself that way. Then you want to make sure your player feels comfortable moving again. You know, like comfortable moving, doing these. Uh, movements where she did get injured before so there's a lot of physical work that goes into this coming back but also a lot of mental work that your player does feel comfortable again going back to 100% of their playing style which they were used to before if if an injury occurred on court yeah okay and what about you like obviously does it give you a bit of time to get off court to get away from everything catch up with your family friends um, I mean, yes and no. Obviously, normally, yes, sadly. I'm, normally, I'm a full-time type of coach. Like, I don't really take much time off. So, obviously, it's nice to have a few more days or maybe a week more with the family and Christmas and once now a New Year's with the family in the last, I think, 10 years. Yeah, I have been home only once for New Year's. But on the other hand, I also obviously want to use that time that maybe and before we start getting really back to working on court. I'll maybe always join my player a few days earlier. Maybe we can use this time to really talk a little bit more about like tactics on court or her statistics overall, like 
why my player is missing in certain situations. So we're trying to maybe then maximize something else. But yeah, unfortunately, more time to myself now. You sound a bit restless to me. You just want to be on the go and you're really committed to the players you work with. Yeah, I'm still hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still hungry. Tell me, go back 10 years when you finished your tennis playing career. What do you remember from trying to give that a go? Yeah, it was even a little bit more ago because I started hitting with Serena like 2007. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So it's like 14 years, 14, yeah, 14, easy 14, 15 years almost now. I remember not being as dedicated as I should have been, sadly, which I've learned, I've learned, I've uh, learned the hard way because I wasn't so dedicated. Obviously, I didn't achieve much as a player. But I've learned that through the environment that I was being put in as a coach, and I've learned that somehow it was always easier to sacrifice something for, from me for someone else than for myself. Like, let's say I would have a tournament, like I would play, I don't know, a challenger somewhere, and there was a player's party. I actually would attend that party, you know, maybe have a drink, hang out there, and then go back home, even though I have a match in the morning rather than now where I just have to, let's say, warm up Carolina 30 minutes before her match, which, you know, is pretty easy normally. But I don't go out. Why? Because I don't want her to, like, have find a chance to be upset at me or to have mm. not the best warm-up she can get because it's not for me. So somehow I, I always felt like it's easier for me to help someone else than to do something for myself, if that makes kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes all sense. Though, as you get older, it does get a bit harder to hit those heavy nights and get up early in the morning. Yeah, they're still fun. <laughs> uh, I love it. And so you, you finish your career, you started working. How did the whole Serena thing come about? Yeah, so I kind of got thrown into all of this. So I, I, I was 21, 22 years old. I was playing tournaments on the weekend, you know, prize money tournaments, Bundesliga in Germany, um, trying to make somehow money while coaching Monday through Wednesday. Started my coaching exam in Germany with 18 because I, yeah, like I basically finished school after 10th grade. My mom wanted me to keep going into school. I, almost, I wanted to go to college. She said, you need a job. My, you know, my father was my coach. He had died when I was 15 and a half. So there was no clear path for me after he died. And then my mom obviously wanting me to be stable and make money. I started this coaching gig maybe a little bit earlier than, than I should have for my playing career. But I've got a call. I was 21 years old. I've got a call from Serena's old hitting partner slash coach. And uh, he told me that she's looking for someone young who ideally has no private life that can travel with her like 24-7 and is just there for her 24-7 and who hits well. And he, he thought about me and Serena flew out after Rome. She came to Munich to meet me in 2007 and we hit for like four or five days. I strung her rackets and we kind of connected immediately. I thought always she was a little bit more maybe closed in and distant to outsiders, but she was very very open towards me. And I was very surprised in a beautiful way about it. And yeah, from there, I hit with her four days at the, in, in Munich. We did the French Open. And then I moved with two bags to America. And now I'm, now I'm here talking to you five players later. Wow. And did, was there like visa issues back then? We had to move to the States or was that all expressed because it was Serena Williams? No, yes. Yeah, she she basically asked me if I if I wanted to do this full time, and yeah, I moved in with her because I I really I, I don't know anybody in the U.S. I've never been there before, uh, no family, no friends. Uh, still, no family and no friends because I, <laughs> I don't I don't really go out. Believe it or not, I've become a little antisocial. Yeah, no, it was just amazing opportunity for me, but. Like I said, for her to welcome outside kid from Germany and to let him stay at her house for three and a half years, you know, with Venus, with Serena, the physio was an amazing learning experience that's literally invaluable. And we had such a good time. And you lived in her house with her, at breakfast with her, sort of dinner with her. Was that close, was it? Of course, of course. Yeah, I, I made breakfast. I, I made I made dinner for the girls, of course, sometimes, and um, yeah, it was a very brotherly, sisterly relationship. So yeah, we were very close, and she knew more about me than 
same as my closest friend. Yeah. Well, and was it a shell shock for you to go into this like high performance, you know, super dedicated elite mindset? team no so i i have to say like one one thing i've learned about myself throughout the years is that i'm very adaptable when it comes to circumstances and working with people and trying to understand and i me personally i think it's because i want to think that i don't have this one strong mentality or personality like maybe because i'm half a gypsy myself and i grew up a little bit in croatia i spent some time growing up in italy i spent some time growing up in germany so it wasn't something that i had to get used to like it wasn't a shock obviously there was a lot of new things for me coming my way and i've had to learn that but, you know, I was living at my house with my mom, my two sisters with three girls. So living in a house there with three women was not something new, but definitely a lot of, a lot of new things. But same as with my players, when I say adaptable, you know, um, I'm very happy that I, I've managed to have players that are from the U.S., from Japan, from Denmark. You know, these are all different nationalities. They come with different mentalities, different types of playing styles, where I know that some coaches, you know, they, they're Spanish. They only stick with Spanish players because it's their type of playing style, their mentality that works for them. Same as with some Russian coaches or Czech players that I know that a lot of Czech players keep only their own countrymen and coaches around. I'm so happy that Kaya is open for it and allowed me to come in her team and try to help her improve her game. There's a lot to be said about that because, you know, you're when you work with people from different cultures, languages, you learn bits and pieces from all of them. If you stick to the same language culture, you probably don't learn as much. So you must have learned so much from working with all these players and teams from all over the world. Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely have. And I, I, I always say that each relationship you enter, like whether it's private or, or, or in any business, I always learn more about myself than actually about the other person and more about the the job that it is, whether it is being in a relationship and I have to learn how to really be in a long distance relationship or how it is to be with, with a player from, let's say, who comes out of Japan. If I could just compare the personalities between a Naomi and a Kristina Mladenovic, you know, they're completely different types of players, but they also have a complete different mindset about certain things. And then the beauty about it is that Every time even a player has the same issue, it doesn't mean that when I tell someone the same thing, they will receive the information the same way. So it kind of kept me on my toes and trying to always find a way to really present what I have in my head in a different way to my player. So I absolutely want to think that I've learned more because of that. Yes. Yeah, no, it sounds like you have. And going back to Serena, what's the biggest lesson you learned from work with her. I'm probably going to ask you this for all the, the couple of players you've worked with, uh, Serena and Naomi and Carolina, but from Serena, what stands out the most over the time you spent with her that you took away? The biggest lesson that I've learned was without a doubt intensity, okay, and how to keep it and how to really practice. Like she's a workhorse, like nothing in her life came easy. I'm not saying for others did, but she really had to work for everything in her life super hard as she has and it's something that especially me like i mentioned before i was younger i would go out maybe have a drink the night before and then play you know play my singles match the next day but then there i you know before warming up serena for the grand slam finals you know i would have to walk on eggshells <laughs> uh, sometimes making sure that you know everything is just everything has to be perfect as there there was not a allowance for an excuse so we had to eliminate excuses it was intensity and how to eliminate excuses so that you can really progress that was the biggest lesson i've learned well and it must put pressure on you as a hitting partner you're young first of all you know you're in this unbelievable environment but everything has to be perfect and must put pressure on you not to make any errors be it preparation or be it even on court in the practice, how much pressure is on when you're hitting on court and you're having a bad day, you're missing a few balls, would she get angry or? Oh my God, yeah, I, I've gotten, just thinking about it now makes, it's almost making, <laughs> making pop a pimple out of my face, stressing about it. But um, no, no, obviously I, so especially early in the days, 
I, I was the only man around in the team besides her father. Yeah, it was all like the physio was a woman, her manager, Jill Smaller is a woman, assistant was women. So it was a lot of women around. And then obviously I, I also understood that Serena had to release sometimes, you know, a lot of pressure because she has to deal with so much. I understand that. And she's running an empire. So you got to let pressure out somehow. So maybe I was on the receiving end once or twice, but as long as I can understand it and separate it and I don't take certain things personal, which I think that I've always been able to do. I don't think of myself as having like a big ego. I'm not too good for myself for anything. If, if I have to wash laundry for my player because I want them to have the afternoon off, I'm more than happy to take their laundry because it'll give them more rest and a better practice tomorrow. So I see it as my job. But like I said, this type of pressure, sometimes if she would blow my way, I can separate it. If you don't have a big ego and you don't take it personal, yeah, you just got to find a way. You got to find a way to deal with it. If you don't, yeah, it can, it can make you quit. Maybe, maybe not appreciate the job so much if you don't see it yeah, just as an objective or get emotional about it. It sounded like you could handle it well. You could wipe it off. How many years did you end up working with Serena? We were eight years. We worked in seven, eight years, yeah, together. And tell me, final Serena question, like, what's it like being, obviously you go from a player where I'm not sure you're playing futures, then you're part of this Grand Slam winning team on winning Grand Slams on the Sunday. What's that feeling like being part of that team? I mean, yeah, if I look back, obviously like being part of writing history, you know, like let's say I was allowed to be part of the US team 2012 with, with Mary Jo Fernandez and we've won gold medals for me to be there and be part of of a gold medal finals, you know, and then take pictures with the winner and be able to work with her is something incredible. Same as all the big matches that she's played doesn't even always necessarily need to be on a final, but with Serena, it comes that she's always on a big court. There's a lot of media attention. So obviously you would lie. I would lie to myself and to you guys if I would say it's nice to be seen that, you know, you get a message and like my mom is like, ah, my son, I saw you on TV, you know, like it's nice to get that and not to be outside on court number 34 yeah. in the park. On the other hand, I've also seen that certain things don't change on any level and they are the same. They are exactly the same. Problems are the same. Issues are the same. Building up to a Grand Slam final or if you play for the local club championships, you know, so it's just maybe the, the scale and the weight that is a little bigger on that scale, but the basics are the same. So it's not something that was so crazy, but ultimately, obviously, <laughs> something special. Yeah, look, it's better to experience than not to experience oh, and ex experience multiple times. So, so, so that relationship ended, you moved on. And who was the next person you worked with after Serena? That was with Victoria Zarenka. And I... You know, I have to be honest, even after, you know, after quitting Serena, I wasn't sure because I was, I was seven and a half, eight years with her and I wasn't sure what's going to come next. I just knew that I had to grow and I had to evolve as a coach. I, I, I wanted more, which I couldn't get there in that situation that I was in. And um, luckily, Victoria Zarenka scooped me up and then she came back off of a injury and layout. She dropped to 50 in the world. And yeah, it, it also was a very successful and quick bonding kind of partnership. Once again, I've learned, I've learned so much from another great champion and was blessed to really work with her. Yeah. What did you learn from Victoria? The one thing? Victoria always like she, she had this resilience. She had, obviously Serena had that too, but one thing about her that stuck out was this wanting to win no matter what situation and that really came about even if we would play squash in aspen where i'm like maybe she cheated me just now like i'm like looking i'm like did you just call my ball out i'm like wait a minute like we're, we're playing squash so she would have this like no matter what wanting to win mentality and that was something that uh, I found very interesting and in how she could have that hunger in anything, like whether it's, like I said, squash, cards, or anything. You got you to gotta watch out. Yeah, I'll, I'll be prepared for that. And then, so after Victoria, you did a bit with Sloane Stevens, um, the way it was Niaki. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, with, um, with Sloane, we, 
I mean, I was working with her for six months. Sadly, we didn't have a tournament because it came due to an injury. So I was actually more at her house, like helping her with rehab, making sure that she stays active, doing all these things that a strength and conditioning coach and doctors tell us to do. So maybe not a clear tennis coach's job, but I always think myself that I, I, I need to do more. I want to do more. And like I said before, if I can help my player, you know, have a better off day by me doing laundry and getting a better practice out of that, then because of that on Monday, I see it as my job to do the laundry. So even there, I, I you know, I'm very passionate about the whole physical part, you know, and uh, I love to live for myself. So I kind of helped there, tried to help Sloan getting back in shape. But yeah, then she re-injured herself sadly before the first tournament in Sydney. And had to take another six six months off, so she let me go, which was obviously perfectly fine. And then um, I got uh, scooped up by Caroline Wozniacki. Yes, and uh, there was uh, there was another unbelievable year for us. We had seven finals, I think, if I remember right. We had seven finals. Um, we won Tokyo at the WTA finals, first time beating Venus. Yeah, it was really it was really great. Learned a lot from her. Learned a lot from her father. Yeah, it was good. And what stood out to you most about Caroline? For Caroline? <laughs> Caroline, I learned that normally, like when it comes to on court, when it comes to on court, I, I, I had to find a way that there's more ways than one to put pressure on the opponent. Okay, Caroline, Caroline Wozniacki is not known as an aggressive tennis player, but somehow, if you're with her on court, she's aggressive. She can put pressure on you by getting a lot of balls back. We worked a lot on variety, so there's so many different types of pressure. Like a, a high deep ball can be once, you know, in a certain situation can be a type of pressure, a drop shot, angles. So I've learned that there is way more than just hitting the ball really fast over the net. Especially in my coaching career, I think that this was a very, very valuable year because it, it, I really had to like be educated about it and, and understanding that there's so much more that you can do and in, in, in being like aggressive and just not hitting hard, seeing her, how she does it and working, working that way with her really and opened my horizon yeah, to a lot of possibilities as well. Wow. You just learn in all the way because these are the best athletes in the world. So that must be amazing. So after Caroline, was that when you started working with Naomi then? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I was let go by Caroline. She wanted family a little bit more. You know, she didn't want to keep a team around. So she just wanted to travel with her dad. And I got let go that winter in 2017 in November. And then I, I started with Naomi immediately that, yeah, that December. Yes, sir. How did the whole Naomi thing come about? It was just you were looking for a job. She was looking for a coach. Yeah. I had like two, three offers, I remember. Naomi, obviously, I, I knew her, you know, we've practiced also actually with Caroline even that year with her at the French Open. So obviously, I knew who she was. Never really like looked too much at her game, but I remember her being like extremely powerful and like I saw that athleticism in her. So whenever you have that type of combination, it's something that's very intriguing for me because I always think it's easier to calm someone down and make them understand their power and control it than to push someone. So I got the message from Stuart, her agent, and I, I, yeah, I drove down. She lives like 45 minutes from my house. I drove down to Boca. Sadly, though, tore three ligaments in my right ankle oh. in the first 10 minutes of practice. Oh, no. But um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty bad. But I tried to like act like nothing happened and bit on my tongue a little bit, but my foot was like my foot was like a balloon so still managed to finish and then came back the next day had another session with her and we decided to give it a go and luckily she actually had to fly back to Tokyo so that I can give my leg a rest for 10 days yeah, it's not the first impression you want to make as a coach if you come there and like you hit for 10 minutes and I, I, I completely tear my ankle apart so not the ideal start but you like an old vintage car yeah. Yeah. So, how was that experience with Naomi? Like, you won a couple of slams with her. How would it differ from working with Naomi and, let's say, Serena? 
Oh yeah, it's a it's a huge difference. Even though both of them kind of you want to think have the same game, you know, very powerful from the baseline, but uh, huge difference, very different approaches. You know, Serena, she's older, she knows kind of what she has to do. She knows what works for her. She knows she found her routine at the tournament already. So when I started with Naomi, everything was a little bit more raw, and there was not like you know efficient way of working with her so I always think that that's why a lot of younger players they waste a lot of energy on like a lot of other things outside of really that work can you give me an example of that yeah it's when it comes to scheduling practices when it comes to a warm-up routine as an example okay like i know how I warm up the best. I'll do my 10 minutes on the treadmill, then I do this exercise, then I want to do this, then I want to do that. And this routine with each exercise, I kind of subconsciously then understand I'm going to get closer to practice. I get closer to my match. This is what kind of gets me in the zone. It'll get me focused. I don't have to think about the next exercise too much as it just becomes a sort of flow movement, Mm. slow flow situation and you go in. You try to eliminate, like I said, everything extra where you waste time and energy. So same thing when it comes to like a tournament. If certain players have not been to a tournament yet, the younger girls or guys, you know, what hotel do I stay in? Where is the gym there? How do I get to the site? Everything is obviously new and exciting. So if you've been five, six, seven times to the same place, you exactly know where you go get some good food. Where do you go to the gym? How do I structure my practice? Now, do I personally perform better if I do 45 minutes warm up? Do I have to get like really a little bit longer? Do I give myself longer time and warm up slower? Or do I make just a 15 minute warm up, but really get a good sweat going? These are the things where I feel like players that are like older, they kind of found a way what works for them and they maximize one second out of the day and they know how to use it the most. So it seems like they get a lot of more work done to where others, they feel like, oh my God, the day is 24 hours, but I feel like I got nothing done. It's because you waste a lot of time on outside stuff. And so that's why I think that this was something when I look at the Naomi situation, I try to really bring in from my experience with Serena, with Vika, with Caroline, that I saw, okay, all these different players had certain setups and there was a certain routine and there was a clear path. And this is something that I want to do for her to really structure, to understand in order to get there, we need to do this, 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 and this. And I want to do the most about it because I truly believe you only have 100% of energy throughout the day. And if you, as my player, waste 10% because the Uber is not coming and you have to find it. And I don't know, you have to think about picking up food. I don't know, going, doing laundry and doing this and thinking about rackets and booking practice courts. If I can eliminate two, 3% here, two, 3% there for you and take some of that load off, 100% more you can give on court. And if it's just that one, two, 3%, that's going to make a huge difference in how quickly you evolve, how quickly results are coming your way. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I was just going to ask you about, you answered the question for me, but you bringing all your experience to the Naomi team, which yeah. m- makes plenty, they would have got a lot of value from you there. Yeah, I I mean, I'm, again, I was very, very lucky and fortunate to have these great players before that I have been in Grand Slam finals before, that I have won WTA finals before. So, with Naomi, with a younger player, because what also happens a lot in a team is what you see is that a huge upset happen. Huge upset happens at a tournament. Young player beats I don't know Serena in the quarterfinals, but then semifinals, complete drop off, like this energy around her, and loses six one six two to a player you would think she would now have to beat mm-hmm. because she's on a high. So. Obviously, this happens because I truly believe the energy drops in the team around. Everybody somehow gets satisfied a little bit. This is something that I've learned from Serena, where you how to keep your energy level high, how to not let the satisfaction of, you know, ah, I'm a coach, I'm in the quarterfinals, I got my bonus now, I'm kind of happy, you know. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, we're here to win it, obviously, if we lose, yeah, it sucks, but, uh, you know, we're here to win it. This is our job. And now we're not satisfied. We don't slow down. 
until this goes. So I think that bringing this type of mentality and, and energy to Naomi and really making her believe that she can win against anybody and hold her level for two weeks and knowing that I've been there before maybe made her trust me a little bit quicker and more than some coaches who have not been in Grand Slam finals. You know, if I tell you, listen, I climbed this mountain two days ago, it was two hours, it was really tough, but you trust me, we can pull through if we go this and this way, this is the route. It's easier to present someone and they believe you and then they'll go up with you quicker, you know, than if you're like, mm, I don't know which way to go. Ah, we met it halfway, you know? So I kind of see it like that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, the, the completely great point again. I think no matter who you are, whether you're, these women you've worked with, they all have one common goal and it's to win the best tournaments. They all have that goal. But if you're somebody younger and you want to get to the top of the game, you want to be professional, I think it's best to surround yourself with people who've been there to where you want to go because, as you say, they understand the road that needs to be taken. Yes, sir. Absolutely. At Functional Tennis, we are all about helping your tennis game get 1% better every day. That's why our match and practice journals are a great tool to have in your gear bag. The Functional Tennis match and practice journals help you plan and evaluate your matches and practice sessions. It includes goal setting, quotes, pressure tests and more. It's used by players of all ages and levels and it's a great way to get away from your phone and focus in on your game. To learn more, visit functionaltennis.com. What's the, we're going to ask you now the only question like I did with the other guys. What's the number one thing that you took away from your time with Naomi and her team? Yeah, that's, that's easy. That's very easy to answer. And that's patience. I mean, uh, okay. yes. Explain. I've learned patience from Naomi as I'm a, she's a very, like very, she was very laid back, you know, like when I started with her, she was very laid back, very relaxed and she was very shy. And so for me coming off of like these great players personalities like Serena like Caroline I always just was used to okay wait you order the cap you'll get it right now you need food I'm gonna bring it right now you know like and for Naomi maybe this was in the beginning a little bit too much as I really always treat my player as they are the number one in the world even though before they are if they haven't been but they are in my mind so maybe this was a little bit too much in the beginning and she would always tell me like, it's, it's Sasha, it's okay. Like, slow down, you can relax. I don't mind waiting two minutes. You know what I mean? And so this was one thing, one thing I learned from her to just sometimes slow down and be patient, be patient for a minute. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I could imagine that you showing up with everything in her face. Like, she's like, no, get away from me. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> so, so more recently, you've worked with Karolina Pushkova, And how has been working with her? Obviously, her journey's a, a bit different to the others in a way, isn't it? Where she was number one in the world previously. And it's kind of your job is to get back there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, I have to say before anything, like I like, even now, like working with, with Carolina, I was so surprised and we joked about it like already two, three times as I really did not know actually how funny she is and how much she's laughing off court because I told her before we started working, I told her, Carolina, you've been on tour for like, I don't know, like 10, 11, 12 years now and you're like a ghost. Like I've, ne I feel like I've never seen you anywhere, but on the tennis court itself. Like I don't remember seeing you like really in like players' lounges. I don't remember walking by you in like the catacombs, you know, where the locker rooms are in front of it, like the gyms. Like I don't like you like a ghost. Plus you're super tall. Like how does that happen? So I, I always thought she was very like, and I, I'm sorry I have to say this. I thought she would be very boring to work with and very like hard to motivate and hard to be around because it's just so no energy but one thing <laughs> that surprised me is the complete opposite so i have to say that, that i'm super super happy about that because i'm a very emotional person and i love emotions so it's very fun to see someone to work with that actually is like you know very emotional, like, of course, so I don't know how she keeps it together like this on court, to be honest. Maybe I should ask her about the secret. And that would be one thing I can learn from her. Wow. It's surprising. Isn't it? I know you said Serena before. Once you get in the circle, it's 
totally different. They're a bit closed outside, and it sounds like Carlina's like that, where from the outside, you don't know what they're like. They seem, it's a bit, it's borderline rude, really, because you don't know them. But once you get in the inner circle, you realize how nice people are and how open and whatever, you, you realize their true characteristics, which can be hard when you're looking in from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's surprising, especially because, like I said, I was, I mean, I, I, I was on tour. It's not that I didn't know her or, you know, never saw her, but even I didn't understand her full personality. So even for me as a coach, going into each relationship, of course, you want to think first, can I help the player? Okay. Can I, if I look from the outside, like, can I help the player? Can I help her achieve what she wants to do? What is her goal? Okay, you have a goal. What is your goal? You want to win a slam? Let me see what I'm dealing with. Okay, this and this is how I would help you. But then at the same time, the next step that would come is, okay, this is something you will just find out after a while. Do our personalities match? Like sometimes we can be able to, you know, work maybe well together, but then I don't know, physic- uh, personality-wise, it doesn't match. Like we don't have the same sense of humor. I'm always like, push, 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 push. She's more pull, pull, pull. So then it becomes obviously an issue more over time. But yeah, no, I'm very, very, very happy to see that the goal is clear and that uh, also this off-court, because you spend so much time throughout the year with your player, also that this off-court personality is actually matching really well. And I'm so happy for once again to have the same player for the second year. I can't even tell you how happy I am about that. So, yeah, it's been a while for me because for whatever reason, (laughs) I've been kind of like switching or being switched to one situation to another, forced sometimes more or less, yeah. Well, here's to a great 2022. Do you still practice with her on court yourself? Absolutely. How's the ankle? The ankle (laughs) is beautiful now. It's still a little, it's it's still a cankle, no, but... Also, this, when it comes to hitting on court, I truly believe that I'm a little bit lucky in that way, that I'm, I'm 37 years old. I'm still in solid physical shape. I can still hold my own ground against, against these women physically. I, I, I believe that I have an advantage there then from having a lot of experience working with these high-profile athletes while still being in a body that can kind of like hold a few things together. Mm-hmm. So if, me as a coach, a, a lot of times I don't understand coaches because all they do is they stand behind the player, okay? But the opponent they play is on the other side of the net. So in order for me to see tendencies, whether I can read my player's game, I kind of should be on the other side from the opponent's view because that's what the opponent sees. So why when I do, like me as a coach, why would I, if I do a certain service practice with Carolina now, for example, nothing easier than to just stand behind her and drop balls to her, you know, and serve here, serve Mm. there, serve here, serve there. Obviously, if you're closer, certain things you'll see, but I don't see the toss the way I needed to see it if I'm not standing on a returner's position. Like then I can fully read it. Okay, see, Kaya, you're tossing it a little bit too far to the right. I can actually see it. Uh, You have a little tendency there. Don't bring your hip out because every time you serve down the tee, your ball is actually going more to the middle because your right foot overleaps the left. Like these are the things that I really, really, really believe that I see better from the other side of the court than from just standing behind her or next to her. So I think that a lot of coaches are just as rude as it sounds than being lazy and are not as hungry anymore and don't want to grind and suffer physically anymore because they're tired of it. Mm-hmm. I, I still enjoy it, but it's also not something that I like. You know, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm so beat up that sometimes I can't even get up <laughs> to use the bathroom. You know what I mean? So it hurts. And tell me, who wins the set? You're Carolina. It's a close, it's a tough <laughs> up. It depends on the surface. I don't want to throw her under the bus. She's won. She's won sets against me. Uh, I've won sets against her, so I, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> and are you in better tennis shape now than you were when you finished your playing career? 100%. So I'm in, I'm in for sure better shape. Maybe I'm a little bit too heavy because I have a little bit too much muscle mass, but I'm 100% better shape than I was. You mentioned serve there. We did post one of your videos there. I can't remember, was it late summer? I can't remember the exact time frame, but where Carolina, you were getting her to serve over your head. Was in Canada, I think, wasn't it? 
I think it was a Montreal, yes. Sir. Yeah, that went down well. That was a great video. Always a risky move for a coach. Listen, there were so many risky moves as a coach that I pulled that this one was was nothing. Like this, is, this is nothing. <laughs> no, and so all these players you've worked with, Grand Slam champions, is there one thing they all have in common that really sticks out? There's a lot that they have in common. When it comes down to really believing in themselves and believing in their abilities. So the best of the best players in this world they know what they're really good at, okay? And they know when to do what. So if I, to explain it very simple, I know I'm not good at surf and volley, I'm not going to go surf and volley, you know, at mm. 30, 40 or 40, 30. Also, this is easier said than done. Why? Because you need a certain match discipline. The best players in the world, they have that match discipline. Just because you've played one hour, that second serve return backhand on the ad side, you've ripped it cross court. Doesn't mean that just now, and you've won, I don't know, 29 out of 30 points like that. Doesn't mean, ah, just because now I have to change once, I'm going to go line. No, if you keep winning, you stick to what you're doing and the best of the best, they don't get bored doing that. So I kind of call it uh, perfecting boredom. You know, they, perf- they, they are perfectionists of boredom. This is something that, that yeah, that, that the big ones have in, in common so far, what I've seen. It's so obvious when you watch them play the men of the films, they just know, but obviously one, they win the big points because they know what they're doing and they go back, to their, and they go back to their basics. And of course, that's what it comes down to. And the, and the funny thing is, the funny thing is with the type of coaching that gets, that gets provided to us by, the statistics that I didn't have when I was playing or when I even started with Serena, like SAP, you know, where you get all the stats, then there's like so many different companies now that actually players hire that deliver stats to you. So even knowing that like, let's say, I don't know, Serena likes to serve out wide on 30 all almost every time, they do this so good that I always also try to tell my players, if you know you're good at something like you you do that like everybody knew Stefan Edberg is going to come to the net after the first and second serve and guess what he was still number one in the world because he was doing it so good nobody could tell him anything and he was like yo watch out I'm coming to the net now you better be ready so I think that this is something that is so amazing by these big ones that they don't try to surprise the opponent so much but they know what they are capable of they know how good they are at that and they really can announce it and there's nothing the opponent can do because it's up to them in that situation. Yeah, it makes sense. As you say, as you said it there perfectly, they don't like to surprise people. There's a high error rate in surprise. Things can go wrong and lose the point and that makes a lot of sense. But speaking of coaching, do you ever see yourself coaching a male in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had offers from men throughout the years, but I just, there's a few things that I think especially right now, like is for, especially for a coach. And uh, I have to be honest there then and say that maybe this is selfish about me, but obviously each coaching situation I enter, I want to be the most successful coach that I can be. And I want to bring success to that player. So having said that, I think that on the women's tour, one big difference to the men's and women's tour is that it's more open right now. As you see how many different types of Grand Slam players have come through. There's not these three, four dominant figures who are kind of like sharing their titles, which now maybe also on the men's tour has kind of like changed a little bit, obviously in the last two years with Dominic coming around, with Zverev really being up there and Medvedev and stuff. But before it was just, you know, Novak, Rafa, Roger, Andy. And so that's where I, for me as a coach, it was very, you, you work, obviously you want to help the player, but you also want to win big titles. You want to have this like, you know, feeling of, uh, you know, we just conquered the world. So this I felt was always more there on the women's tour. If you do good work, it's going to be shown more in your students or your players' results. And so I felt like I had more of an impact there than I can have on the men's tour just because the guys, those four guys were just so far away from the pack because they were so much better than everybody else. True. And 
you're an adaptable coach by all the players you've worked with and the different cultures as we talked about. But do you feel working with males and vice versa is a completely different skill set? It's not a complete different skill set. Like it's just a complete different approach. Yes. Yeah. So I, I obviously I think that uh, especially because also me like I'm I'm pretty big. Like I weigh two hundred five pounds. I'm six three. So when I work with a nineteen year old girl, you know, like let's say I work with Dan, I'm not gonna you know tower over her. And, you know, I kind of have to, when I work with women, I really try to pay attention to my body language. How do I present certain things? How do I speak? Do I sound really demanding, aggressive? Am I softer? So I think that with women, there is a lot more emotional management that comes with it, you know, from a coaching perspective, because there's thousand ways of saying it, but only one is the right way. Mm. And every situation... And every single day, it can be a different way. So I think that that is more important on how to present certain things with women. If you are a coach, then what? If I can give any coach, let's say, a little suggestion. So if you work with a man and you are a man, it's not as important like how you say it, but you obviously what? It has to be the right information. But with women, it's really important that, that you understand how to present information, when to say what, to, to really understand them. I 100% agree with you. I think that's a really important skill. My wife and my mother say to me all the time, well, not, not so much now, but it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah, and exactly. All the time. But yeah, so just a, a couple more questions for you, Sasha. You did mention relationships and you, you're on the road all the time. You're dedicated to your player. You're fully committed to them. And how do you handle relationships being on the road? Is there any advice you have for other coaches out there and other players out there who want to have a relationship, but unfortunately their partner can't travel? Yeah, don't get one. That's that's the best way. That's the best way to deal with it. You you don't get into one, you're not gonna miss it. So it's a lonely life on tour. I I somehow have to admit that, you know, I, I also was in a long-term relationship, but it was very hard. It was very, very hard. And I actually, I'm, like I said, maybe I'm a little, I've become a little antisocial, but even now during COVID, if if the last year taught me anything is that I'm I'm good and I'm happy to be alone. Though I'm 37 years old and my mom is pushing me maybe for, uh, (laughs) to do a little, to push me for my, my, my private life. But yeah, it's, it's tough. I always, now I know like that you cannot have certain things while doing others, you know, as long as I have this hunger, you know, this drive to help Carolina more or help my players more and to wanting to win big titles, I'm going to keep doing it. That's why I've always been a full-time coach. And if my relationship falls apart because of it, so be it. I've missed my mom's wedding. I've missed my sister's wedding. I've missed every single social event in my private life for the last 15 years you can think of. All because I really, really want to be the best in what I can do. And I I love, I really, really love this so much that I'm happy to sacrifice it all. Yeah, luckily my family is so supportive and they understand it. And my mom wasn't too upset with me and I'm still her son. Even though I wasn't at, <laughs> even though I wasn't at her wedding, well, I, yeah, well, that's dedication for you, and that's serious dedication. Just last question, something completely different. You wrote a book during all this, yes, sir. What's the book about? The book was uh, was released in Japan, and it was, and it wasn't a tennis book because it's uh, it's actually just about the mindset itself and uh, how to deal with certain situations in life, how to make your life easier, how to make it more efficient, how to deal with pressure from things that I've learned about like Serena, about being in that situation and how to apply it on a, on a daily basis. And so it's like 50, 50 kind of like life hacks on, on how to make your life easier. Is it in Japanese only? Yes, sir. As of right now, it's only in Japanese and we're going to try to publish it in English. And um, and maybe even in German. Do you speak Japanese? No, I, I don't. I, I, I absolutely don't. I wish it would have been good. 
That would be a good one. No, I don't. I I wrote it in English, and then obviously it got translated. And uh, I have to say, it was a crazy project. It was super fun, and also there again, writing a book. Like I've learned so much. Like I, I've learned about this uh, while writing the book, just as much as as if I would touch a new subject, something. So it was really fun. It was something I really wanted to do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my second book. Hopefully it'll come out by the end of the year or something. Brilliant, brilliant. And last question, I probably said that already. Do you see yourself coaching for the next 10, 15 years? To be honest, I mean, obviously I do. Like in some sort of way, I do. Whether it's going to be in Palm Beach Gardens, helping some little kids <laughs> or some, you know, some older gentlemen and women become their best player that they can be i don't know or if it's going to be another another athlete trying to win a grand slam i i for sure will stick with tennis as long as like i said i'm happy to satisfy because one thing i'm not is i'm not like a a half year coach like i've gotten offers so many from yeah do you want to be with me 20 weeks i just need someone 20 weeks 20 to 20 25 weeks I'm not that type of guy. Even if it's the same amount of money as the full-time, I want to be there full-time as I want to take responsibility. I want to be the guy who is responsible for either steering the boat or sinking it so I can understand what didn't go well or what did go well because I want to be better in what I do as well. And I think that's the only way to do it. So absolutely, tennis, yes, in whichever way, shape or form, I don't know. Nice, well... We landed it there with you taking responsibility. That's amazing. Uh, Sasha, really appreciate that chat. It was very insightful. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me, sir. Thank you very much. It was really fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For me, that was a great chat. Really loved it. And so special to get these insights directly from Sasha. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week. Here's to an unbelievable 2022. Bye.